14th of January. And uh, 33 years ago, almost 34 years ago now, honestly, um, on January the 15th, 1984, I was sitting in a Bible Baptist church and I was hearing the, the preacher preach and he was preaching about uh, the Lord that day and I remember sitting over on this side about 10 or so pews back on the outside of the church, white block building, and I remember hearing the gospel and I'd heard it so many times before. And that day, God began to deal with me that I wasn't saved. And I sat there and listened. And in my heart, I wanted, I wanted salvation. And I didn't really understand it all. And of course, uh, we never really do when we get saved. We just know what the Lord's done for us. And uh, the invitation came. And I remember I, I stood there, hanging on to the back of that pew, wanting to go forward and get saved. But I stood there. I never moved. The invitation came and went all week long. I was working construction. I was working on a house that had a two-story, a lot of, lot of high ceilings in it. I went to work every day. And here was my thought. If I fall from this scaffolding, I'm going to die and go to hell without the Lord. I just kept thinking that all week long, day after day after day. And you might say to yourself, Pastor, why didn't you just... Why didn't you just get saved? And I guess I really just wasn't that smart of an individual. I thought the only place you could get saved was at a church during an invitation at an altar. I didn't know you could get saved anytime, anywhere. But you could call upon the Lord anywhere you're at and receive the gift of eternal life. But I remember January 22nd, 1984, when I went to church for one reason. I thought to myself, I am not going through another week like this week. And I went to church, and God forgive me, and my pastor maybe forgive me, but that entire service, I just kept thinking, I wish the preacher would just shut up and give an invitation. And I'm going to tell you, when he gave the invitation and he said, bow your heads and close your eyes, I never even took a second thought. I stepped out and came down. And I knelt at the altar that day, and I remember I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I looked over, and there was Chuck Holt. And Chuck Holt said, and I've been going to that church for three years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Never missed a service. Wasn't even saved. I was wearing a suit, had a nice haircut. It's not about the external. I had everybody fooled. One of the staff members, Brother Chuck, he, he said to me, why'd you come? I said, I need to get saved. And he looked at me and said, really? And I said, really? And so right there, he opened his Bible. He said, you probably know these verses, but let me show you. And he showed me some scripture. And I, right there, I, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I'll tell you, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. God's been so good to see three of my four children stand here and sing for the Lord, to know that they're saved, their, their husbands are saved, and, 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 and just to see the goodness of God 
and that, that God's allowed us to go all over this country and, and to be in so many churches and have so many Christian friends that not only we enjoy this life, but we'll enjoy the life to come. What a blessing. I wouldn't trade my Christian life for a Super Bowl ring, Brother Flynn. I wouldn't trade my Christian life for anything that this world has to offer. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that still don't know what we know. And that's why we're having some of the things we're having. That's why we're asking you to get involved in this, this pulse outreach, to reach people with the gospel, listen, before it's eternally too late. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord's going to come back. And once the Lord comes back, everything changes. And we who know the truth, we need to make sure that we reach people while there's still time, while the door is still open. And God opened an effectual door for Paul, and God is keeping the door open for Bible Baptist Church. And so take your Bibles tonight, go to Philippians chapter number one, Philippians chapter number one, and uh, let's take a look at the scriptures tonight. And uh, if you are interested in uh, those uh, church uh, tumbler cups, they are, there are still some of those. We uh, have ordered quite a few because we give those out to visitors. They are available after church tonight. If you'd like to purchase some of those, one for $3, two for five, or if you want a deal, four for 10, all right? And so some of you will figure that out later on, but that's not a deal, all right? We'll, we'll turn the blue light on for you if that, that makes you feel any better, okay? Philippians chapter number one tonight, and we are continuing our series called Finding Joy in the Journey. Let's not be a Christian that loses our joy along the way. Let's make sure we keep our eyes on the Lord. And uh, as I think about this, God led me to this thought, and that is, let's live to see another day. Let's live to see another day. Sometimes in our lives, we get to the place where, boy, it just seems like everything's going the wrong direction. Everything is against us. Things are happening in our lives. Certainly, if there was anybody that ever understood that, it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, this book that we've been studying on Sunday nights, and we've had a few interruptions here and there because of special events, but Paul's writing this from prison. <laughs> he is writing this from a, a jail cell. And as he is writing, he, he maintains the joy that he has because his joy is not in himself, his joy is in the Lord. And the, the, the joy of the Lord is his strength. I read about Adoniram Judson and his wife Anne. How these two wonderful Christians years ago, 1813, they went to Burma as missionaries to take the gospel to those people that had never heard before. Judson spent about 40 years there, not only translating the Bible into the Burmese language, but also preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They labored for six years before the Judson saw the first Burmese convert come to Christ and, and be changed, as we talked about and we heard sung tonight. But while Judson was there, certainly in those 40 years, he suffered greatly. As a matter of fact, he suffered probably uh, as few are willing to suffer today. He was in prison several times. He experienced not only the death of one wife, but two, the death of several of his children. Uh, those were just a few of the things that Judson endured while he was there in Burma, but yet through it all, Judson was faithful to the work that God had called him to. And when he was asked one time in his life, 
What about all that you've gone through? What about those trials that you've gone through? Certainly, I think Judson probably thought, I'd just love to live to see another day. But here's what he said. He said, had it not been for an assured conviction that every additional trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy, I must have sunk under my accumulated sufferings. Certainly, he could look at all the things that had happened to him, and he could sit around and have a pity party, but instead, he chose to have joy in his journey, and he lived in his life to see another day, and the Apostle Paul is another man that suffered greatly in his life after God saved him by the grace of God. Paul maintained his confidence in Christ. He remembered daily that God was still at work, that God still had something to do in and through his life, and he believed the the promises of God, that God would work through those difficult circumstances in his life, and it would all be for good. The Bible tells us that God works all things together for good. That's why I love to hear songs about God is good, and by the way, he's good all the time, is he not? We, we all have better than we deserve. And so tonight, I want you to see a couple aspects as we look at the last verses of chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this small letter to encourage those in Philippi to keep their joy and not let anything take the joy of the Lord from them. Notice, I see Paul's confidence tonight well, what was his confidence in? Listen, folks, his confidence wasn't in man. His confidence, first of all, was in fruitful labor. Look in your Bible in verse 22 tonight. The Word of God says these words. It says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I would not. Paul says, if I live in the flesh. A lot of people, and folks, don't get me wrong, I realize that as long as we're in this flesh, that many times this flesh is going to give in. Uh, this flesh is going to desire certain things. Uh, certainly, a lot of times in my life, I don't go looking for something, but things pop up and things are there before us, and the old flesh. Listen, you ever gone grocery shopping while you're hungry? Yeah, worst time in the world to go grocery shopping. Uh, you end up coming home with a lot more food than you intended to go get. And, and listen, Paul's saying, look, uh, as we live this life, we live it in the flesh, but I desire, Paul says, to have some fruit that comes out of my life. Notice the word there that God uses, the word labor. It says, if I live in the flesh, the fruit of my labor. In other words, he's talking about the business of his life. Uh, somebody said it's, it's that which one undertakes to do. Paul's talking about his life, the things that he does with his life. And the word flesh here, don't misunderstand what God is saying, because the word flesh is not in reference to the seat of being sinful, but rather here it's talking about the physical life. While we're here on this earth, we are in this flesh, okay? And that's what Paul's making reference to. So when he says that he desires to have fruit, and he, this matter of fruitful labor well, how do, how do we see fruitful labor in our lives? We see it through God's Word, that God, through His Word, helps us to understand 
the importance of life and sharing the gospel, and it is through the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God. I still believe that preaching and the Word of God changes lives. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Paul understood this, and he desired to have fruit. He knew that as long as he was alive, that he would continue to produce fruit as he labored in God's vineyard. God placed him in those places. Hey, that means even in a jail cell, God put Paul there. Paul realized, some of you, I hope this doesn't happen, you might end up uh, in the hospital. You might go to the doctor's office for a checkup. You might be in a store. Wherever you are, God has placed you there, and it is through the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit that God will give you an opportunity to see fruit in your lives. Look what the Bible says. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, look at this verse. For we are laborers together with who? With God. We're not in this alone, folks. God is working with us. We are working together with God. We are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And look, folks, understand that as long as we're in this world, that, look, we need to make sure that we are doing God's will, that we are sharing God's word, that we are seeing people's lives being changed by the word of God. And a lot of times people say, well, uh, isn't is there going to be a time that we can just kind of put her into neutral. Listen, when we get to heaven, we can rest from our labors there. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Someday we will get to that place of our rest, but until then, we need to make sure that we labor for the Lord. Paul had confidence in fruitful labor, but notice, secondly, he had confidence in a future home. Uh, Look what the Bible says in verse 23 of our chapter. Paul says, For I am in a strait between two, betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul says, I'm in this strait. I'm I'm kind of being pressed on every side. Somebody described this word, this phrase here. It's kind of like when they're getting ready to take the cattle to market. And they've got them in a huge pen, and they're going to they're gonna kind of bring all of these cattle together into one area and through a gate and onto the truck. And he says, that's exactly how I feel, that I'm, I'm being pressed. Paul was being torn between two opinions. He says, I've got a desire to be with the Lord. How many of you want to go to heaven someday? Okay, notice I didn't say today. But that'd be okay, wouldn't it? That'd be all right. You know, if the Lord comes back before tax day, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> but understand, Paul says, look, as much as I have a desire to be with the Lord, I believe that God still has something that he wants me to do. I believe there's still a work to be done. Uh, you know, I love the song, we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till Jesus comes. We need to stay at it. 
as Paul did, and certainly he had a desire. And look, don't get me wrong, and I believe this all my heart. I don't think Paul was in any way saying, look, I've suffered so much. I've gone through so much. I just want to check out. I don't want any more of this. No, Paul understood that God was helping him and God was undergirding him. But Paul just wanted to see the Lord. And the truth is, when you hear somebody talking like that, it's really a sign of, of spiritual maturity that they realize that someday to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. See, Paul had a desire to have fruitful labor, and he had a confidence in a future home. He wrote to Timothy and said, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul had confidence. He knew, he knew once he changed his address from this physical life, he knew that he had home in heaven. And I pray tonight that everyone that's here knows Christ as your Savior. Because if you're saved tonight, heaven is your home. Uh, we're just passing through. Our treasures are laid somewhere beyond the blue. And what a wonderful day that will be. But until then, we just need to keep on serving the Lord. We just need to keep on having confidence that God will give us fruit. But notice, thirdly, Paul had confidence in faithful service. Look at verse 24, what the Bible says. As he writes here, he says, nevertheless, I like that word. He says, I have a desire to be with the Lord, but he says, if God wants to leave me here, he says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is, notice, more needful for you. Now, Paul wasn't saying, I'm something special. Paul wasn't saying, you need me. <laughs> no, what he was saying is, is that God can use him to help others. Uh, the scriptures teach us that Paul wrote, and remember, all that he wrote was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, follow me as I follow after Christ. That's the kind of person I want to be. I don't want to lead sheep astray. I want to lead them in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to help people understand what is good and godly and healthy for them. And Paul says, look, nevertheless, he says, if God wants me to stay and abide in the flesh, it's more needful for you. And having this confidence, he says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you. I love the wording here, Al. Paul says, look, he says, I, I'm okay with being here. I'm okay with staying with you. And he says, look, as I'm here, I'm convinced that God has a purpose. It is necessary for me to be here. Jesus said himself that it's expedient for him as he was thinking about the cross. He says, it's expedient that I go away. You know why? Because Jesus was going away to prepare a place for us. And there he is today in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, preparing a wonderful place. I won't have to take my tool belt when I go to heaven. Praise the Lord. I can lay all my burdens down someday and I can just go be in the presence of Almighty God. See, Paul says, I, I have confidence in faithful service. He's, Paul, certainly everywhere he went, he had a desire to see souls saved. And he had a desire to have victories won in his life. And he says, look, I just want to be faithful until the Lord calls me home. I think about how we went out on Wednesday night. We had the privilege of having one of our missionaries here, Brother Van Horn who's been with the Rock of Ages ministry for close to 20 years. And 
I was uh, talking to my wife, and I remember I, was, I w- had been uh, communicating with Brother Van Horn. He said, we'll be in town at this time. And I said, well, why don't you get settled in the hotel, and then we'll meet and go to dinner somewhere. And so I texted him, I, and I always ask people, where would you like to eat? Do you have any preferences, any allergies, or where would you like to go? And he's a smart man. He said, let's go to your wife's favorite restaurant. <laughs> smart man right there. Get on the pastor's wife's good side. And uh, we don't really hardly ever go out to eat much, and, and w- there's really not a lot of places that we would call favorite. We just like food. Anybody else like food? And, uh, and so we were, we were trying to think about a place, and I was, I was thinking, okay, you know, I want some place close to the church. And we were just trying to think of some places, and having gone out a few times, we kind of know some places that are easier to get in and out of. And, and uh, I don't know why, but God, I was trying to think of where to go, you know. And God put a spiritual place called Cheesecake Factory on my heart. I wasn't really thinking about food. I was thinking about Cheesecake Factory. I mean, why else would you go to such a place other than cheesecake? And so I was thinking, well, that, they, their food is good there. And, uh, and so I thought, let's do that. So I asked him, and, and he said, that'd be fine. I said, we'll meet you there. He beat me to the restaurant. By the time we got there, <clears throat> we went in and sat down at the table. This young lady come up. She had, uh, she, she had her stuff in her hands. She says, what would you like to drink? And I noticed he already had rapport with her, had conversed with her, and she's a very friendly uh, young gal. And so she said, what would you like to drink? She got us some water. She came back, and she began to take our order. She served our food. We were talking to her. Early on, I gave her one of our tracks to our church, and I gave her an invitation, told her I was the pastor a Bible Baptist church said, love to have you come and, and be a part of our service. And I kind of noticed a little response, a little look in the eye when I told her that. And, uh, and she took it. She was kind, you know. And later on, I said something to her about what I gave her. And then the missionary, he said to her, he's, he, as she was bringing the check, he said, now I want to talk to you about that piece of paper that, that the pastor gave you. He said, do you know for sure? that heaven would be your home. And he began to talk to this young lady that she called herself Mimi. Her name's Melissa. And I pray she'll come to our church. She said that she'd think about it. And he began to witness to her. He talked to her for quite a while, and then I shared a few things, and then he continued. And, uh, and then she, she was standing there, and she had tears running down her cheeks. And I remember as we, she had to leave for a minute and we had a word of prayer because we had service and I told the missionary, I said, look, you've got about an hour. I said, don't get in a hurry. I said, why don't you just, you know, stay here and talk to her. And we came back after we had a word of prayer. We prayed that God would work in her heart. And uh, it was about six minutes before church started on Wednesday night and the missionary still wasn't here. I was starting to sweat bullets. I didn't have a message, you know, I had the Bible. And uh, I thought, I hope he shows up. Sure enough. He texted me and said, we're on our way. Mimi prayed and trusted Christ as their Savior. You know why she got saved? Because God still wants to save people. And because a missionary, a Christian, man and woman, still had confidence that God wants to work in people's hearts and lives. What a joy it was to hear that that young lady prayed and accepted Christ. See, Paul had a confidence. And notice, secondly, that his confidence came from what? Paul's convictions. I hope we're men and women of conviction. Uh, Folks, look, we have to have convictions in our lives, and those convictions need to be based on the Word of God. Notice, as we think about Paul's life, look at a verse here, chapter 1, verse 27. Love the verse. 
It's actually a verse my pastor in California has used for many, many years. I love the verse, and if you're in the habit of underlining things, it would be a great verse to underline in your Bible. The Bible says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast. Now watch this. Look what the Word of God says. You stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What a great verse that God gives here as Paul is trying to encourage these people. He's talking, first of all, about having a proper conduct, about the conversation of our lives, that it should be Something that is becoming of a Christian. People should never hear the wrong things coming out of our mouths. Uh, we should never say something off color, uh, something that would be offensive to people. Certainly what people need to hear is they need to hear the truth, but they need to hear the truth in love. Look what Martin Lloyd said as he was commenting on this. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, there is something essentially wrong with a man who calls himself a Christian and who can listen to a truly evangelistic sermon without coming under the conviction again, without feeling something of his own unworthiness, and without rejoicing when he hears the gospel remedy being presented. Aren't you glad when you see people's lives being changed? When you see people being saved? And when you see God working and moving? Well, listen, folks, that's never going to happen if we don't have the proper conduct while we're in this world, while we are living among the unsaved. Paul wrote in chapter 3 of this same book, for our conversation is in heaven. Just think about that. Paul says, listen, the way we conduct our lives right now and how we will conduct it someday really should match. There shouldn't be, oh, I'm in heaven now, I've got to behave myself. You know how it is sometimes when the cat's away, what do the mice do? Yeah. I always say, you know, I, we'd get ready. It didn't happen many times as we were raising our children, but when they got to be a certain age and we thought they were old enough uh, to be on their own and, and we could leave, a lot of times we'd get ready to leave and we'd say, now listen, make sure you don't do anything you shouldn't be doing while we're gone, you know? And I, I always threatened I was going to set up cameras in the house, you know, and just kind of keep an eye on what was going on. But, but listen, we have to understand that our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in life, Paul's saying, look, our business dealings and our language and our attitude should reflect a proper Christian conduct. And where does that Christian conduct come from? It comes from our convictions. Our convictions, yours and mine, they should be based on the Word of God. Uh, it, the Word of God should help us to understand how to conduct ourselves. But notice, he's also talking about a proper commitment. See, in the Christian life, that's one thing I learned about those in the Word of God is that God used them greatly because they had a commitment to the things of God. And look how he talks about this commitment. He mentions here striving together, but he says with one spirit, meaning that they share the same convictions. They're together together. They're in unity one with another. The Bible says about the church in the first century that they continuing daily with one accord. The Bible says 
in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It wasn't this person wants to do this, and this person wants to do this, and there's discord and division among the people. No, no, no. There was unity. They were all together. They had one spirit, but notice not only that one spirit, but they had one mind. What mind should we have? What was Paul talking about? He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus. You know, I'm not a big fan sometimes of how the world picks up on things, but sometimes it's a good thought. Years ago, somebody came out with a WWJD. Anybody remember what it stands for? What would Jesus do? And you know, the reason that we do certain things is because it all begins here in the mind. You, you see a lot of these people that commit uh, awful acts and things like that, and they go out and carry out some, some awful thing. Where did it begin? It all began in the mind. And Paul says, let this mind be in you. What mind? Well, the Lord wants us to be together. One spirit, one mind. How about this? Having one faith. I've talked to many people, even some even maybe here tonight, that we might have a little bit of variance between something that we believe. But look, folks, I can tell you this, that we need to make sure that it all comes from the same book. One faith striving together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The devil loves it when this person believes this and this person believes this. That's why we don't use multiple versions of the Word of God. You know why? Confusing. People sit there and they look at it and say, well, that's not what my Bible says. <laughs> so we have to see that there needs to be a proper commitment, and that commitment is to the Lord. And, and what you need to ask yourself tonight is, do you have a commitment to the Lord, the things of God? A missionary society wrote to a, a great man years ago, David Livingston, and here's what they asked Livingston. They said, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. And Livingston wrote back, by the way, this was long before telephones, long before cell phones, long before texting and Twitter and all those types of things. He actually picked up a pen, wrote a letter, and mailed it. And when that letter got to those that asked him that question, here's what he said. If you have men who will come only if they know that there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Folks, that's commitment. Uh, Realizing that God is looking for men and women who will be committed like the Apostle Paul. Paul was in prison, but yet he stayed committed because he had Bible-based convictions. And as Paul was there and had confidence in God and his convictions were settled on the Word of God, notice thirdly, what did Paul do? He shared some counsel with those in Philippi. Look what the Bible says in verse 28. Look what it says here. And in nothing be terrified by your adversaries, notice the plurality, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Notice, first of all, as he gives counsel, he says, don't fear the adversaries. I mean, folks, honestly, We are scared to death of everything. And the one thing that I think happens in the life of a Christian is, we look, I understand the devil is alive and well. And I understand the devil is working overtime, 
But I'm going to tell you something. I am not about to let the devil get the victory in my life. I'm not about to, to say, listen, I'm just going to fold up shop, close the doors, lock the doors, never go out into society, never talk to somebody about Jesus. No, I am not going to fear him because God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of, of power and love and a sound mind. Look, our adversaries, as Paul says here, he says, in nothing be terrified. Our greatest adversary, of course, is the devil. He is the one that opposes us and all the instruments that he uses against us. And did not the Bible say that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? I know it's in the Bible. By the way, I have experienced it to some degree, not near as much as maybe some that have been martyred for the faith, but the Bible tells us that we need to be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, not your friend, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I remember what the word devour means? It means to make to disappear. The devil would love it if you weren't in church next week. The devil would love it if you would never speak the name of Jesus ever again. But if you live to see another day, and you have confidence in the Lord, and you have convictions that are based on the Word of God, then listen, you have nothing to fear. Paul says, look, I understand that he is walking about seeking whom he may devour, but the Bible tells us to resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so Paul's counsel to those in Philippi is, don't fear the adversaries. And then notice other counsel he gives, don't forsake the assignment. God's given to every one of us, not just to Paul. He's given us an assignment. And I want you to look at the last two verses of chapter number one, verse 29. For unto you, Paul says, it is given... In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him. How many of you are saved tonight? Okay, that's where it begins. Now watch this. He says, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul says, I understand some of you are going through some of the very same things. He says, you're saved. You believed on the Lord. But see, part of our assignment involves suffering. Somebody asked C.S. Lewis one time, why, and I know a lot of people have asked this question, even the psalmist asked this question, why do the righteous suffer? A lot of times people say, I just don't understand. If you're a child of God, why do the righteous suffer? And I love what C.S. Lewis's response when he was asked, why did the righteous suffer? And here's what he said, why not? They're the only ones that can take it. You know why? Because they have the Lord. They have the peace of God. God strengthens them. We need to understand, as the Bible says, let us not be weary in what kind of doing? Well-doing. For in due season, folks, I don't know when that season's going to be, but it says in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you think you're starting to have a fainting spell, listen, you just need to get back to the Lord. Just keep doing well for the Lord I read historically that at the Nicene Council, which if you studied historically, it was a very important church meeting in the 4th century AD, 
of the 318 delegates, listen, 318 delegates that came to that meeting, fewer than 12 had not lost an eye or a hand or did not limp on a leg that had been lamed by torture for their Christian faith. They understood. And they never, even in spite of the suffering, even in spite of maybe having an eye put out, or maybe a hand taken from them, or maybe being tortured for the faith, they just kept on serving God. They lived to see another day. And sometimes it seems that when God is about to make, uh, make preeminent use of a man, he puts man, that man, that woman, through the fire. Sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives, and we need to be like Paul. We need to have confidence in God. We need to make sure we have convictions that are based on the Word of God. And that way, whenever things begin to happen to others around us, because of what we've gone through, and because of our walk with the Lord, then we, as Paul did to those in Philippi, we can share some biblical counsel to help others to live to see another day. Folks, by God's grace, Paul lived to see another day. And by the grace of God, you and I will too. You and I will live to see another day. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the truth of the word of God. And I thank you for the confidence that we can have. And I pray that our confidence would not be misplaced in ourselves and what we can do. Lord, even tonight as I stand behind this sacred desk, I know that only things that will be accomplished here tonight or have been accomplished here tonight is not because of anything I've said, but because of what you have done. I have all confidence in your word. I have all confidence in you and your power, your ability. Lord, may we all, when we find ourselves, maybe not in a, a Philippian jail, maybe, maybe in a situation that's very difficult of our own, may we have confidence in you. Lord, may we desire through those difficult times, even as Joshua became Moses' successor, that, God, you would use us and that we would see fruit in and through our lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we uh, realize that our confidence comes from the convictions that we hold. And certainly we can have convictions about personal things in our lives, but may our convictions be seated in the Word of God. May we be strengthened by your word, and may we know it, may we study it, that it would help us and strengthen us as we go through times of suffering. Thank you for the counsel of the word of God as we receive from, from your word, from your Holy Spirit tonight, from your choice servant, the Apostle Paul. Lord, I thank you that you helped the church in Philippi, but Lord, tonight I believe you've helped me. I pray that you've helped our church. Lord, as we turn the table in just a minute to, to view and remember what you did for us through your ultimate sacrifice, before we go to the table of the Lord, Lord, may we take a time and have this invitation, Lord, that if there is something that, Lord, maybe we need to spend some time tonight, Lord, help us to, to have that confidence to keep the joy of the Lord. Lord, help us this year to have stronger convictions from the Word of God. And help us to receive the counsel from God's word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Would you 